Hello and welcome to Mr. Sorensen's Weekly World History Podcast. This is our bonus episode on the Iliad and the Odyssey. Well, it'll actually probably be a two-part episode. First part, we're going to focus on the great epic play or poem by Homer called the Iliad. A long, long time ago, there was a girl named Helen who lived in Greece. From a young age, her looks had been the talk of the town. No matter where she went, people always turned their heads to admire her. They all agreed that she was the prettiest girl in the world. Every young man, both in and out of Greece, dreamed of marrying her one day. One by one, they came to declare their love. As the competition grew fierce, Helen's father began to consider the suitors carefully. At last, he settled on Menelaus. Menelaus was the king of Sparta. His brother, Agamemnon, was the king of Mycenae, and he was the most powerful ruler in all of Greece. Helen's father knew that his pick would break many hearts. To avoid troubles, he made all of Helen's admirers swear an oath. He made them promise that they would never take Helen away from Menelaus. If any of them did, the others would unite to get her back. At the time, this idea seemed marvelous. Helen and Menelaus got married without a hitch. Everybody else moved on with his own life. For a while, there was no, sh- no snag. Soon, many of Helen's former suitors, such as Odysseus, forgot all about the vow. Years later, Odysseus became the king of Ithaca. He married Penelope. The two had a son called Telemachus, and they were very happy. Though Odysseus was able to put Helen out of his mind, Paris, who was a Trojan prince, was having a hard time with it. One day, a great opportunity arose. On that fateful day, three goddesses, Athena, the goddess of wisdom, Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and Hera, the queen of all the gods and goddesses, came to see Paris. They had only one question for him. Who among them was the most beautiful? Paris looked at them and was torn. He didn't want to upset any of the goddesses, yet when Aphrodite promised him the hand of Helen as his wife, the choice became clear. Right away, Paris declared that Aphrodite was the prettiest. The beaming beaming goddess then used her power to make Helen fall in love with Paris. The two ran away and stole a lot of Menelaus' treasure. For several years, nobody knew where Helen and Paris were. Then all of a sudden, they resurfaced and went back to Troy, Paris' home country. When word reached Menelaus, he asked for all the former suitors of Helen's to honor the oath. Odysseus was, of course, on the roll call. He tried to avoid going, but he could not break a promise. So with a heavy heart, he bid his wife and son goodbye to join Menelaus in Aulis. Upon his arrival, he saw that a great number of heroes had already turned up. They were all busy preparing for the battle. Shortly after Odysseus docked his ships, he and the others met and exchanged pleasantries. Then they got down to business. Agamemnon would be the leader of the military campaign, and Nestor, an alien king from Pylos, would be his advisor. Once the plans were drawn up and the sacrifices were offered to the gods, they took sail and made their way to Troy. The Trojans saw the Greek coming, Greeks coming. They tried to block the invaders from making landfall, but outnumbered, they could not fend them off forever. At last, they gave up and retreated behind the safety of their city wall. The Trojans lost their first round of fights. Seeking to avoid further bloodshed, the Greeks wanted to make a truce. So they sent Odysseus, Menelaus, and according to some, Achamus, to reason with the Trojans. Their demand 
was fair. They wanted Helen and the stolen treasure back. As convincing as their arguments were, the Trojans refused to give in. They were very angry from the previous defeat. They shouted loudly at the visitors. As the situation turned dire, the three Greek ambassadors left in haste. The Trojan stubbornness left the Greeks with no choice. Now they would hold nothing back. They would launch an all-out assault on the city. They would not leave Troy until they recovered Helen and the stolen treasure. The Greeks thought it would be easy to capture Troy, but they were wrong. As the battle dragged on from months, then to years, the Greeks finally came to realize that they could never take it by storm. To make matters worse, a plague had broken out in their camp. The illness killed many Greek soldiers and could strike down a lot more. All the Greeks knew the cause of the plague. They put the blame squarely on Agamemnon. He had gone against the mighty Apollo and kept his priest's daughter as a war prize. His selfishness took a heavy toll on his force. When the death toll continued to rise and Agamemnon showed no signs of giving in, Achilles lashed out at his leader. He accused him of the disaster. Furious, Agamemnon snapped. He said that he would give up the priest's priestess if Achilles would replace her with Achilles' own favorite slave girl, Rhesus. Achilles was upset, but he eventually came around and agreed to hand over Rhesus. He told Agamemnon that he was through with this whole world war. He predicted that Agamemnon would one day see the value of losing him as a great warrior. With those parting words, Achilles turned and walked out of the Greek camps. Later, Achilles recounted the ordeal with his mother, a sea nymph and a goddess by the name of Thetis. Thetis felt very sorry for her son. She went up to Mount Olympus and laid out her case to Zeus, the king of all the gods and goddesses. Upon hearing the story, Zeus felt very sorry for Achilles too. He promised Thetis that he would take the matter into his own hands and give Achilles justice. That night, Zeus fixed a false dream and had it delivered to Agamemnon. The following morning, Agamemnon told his generals to prepare for an all-out attack on the Trojans. He boasted that the long-awaited victory would come today because he dreamed of it the night before. Assured by the vision, the Greeks committed their entire force to this one great battle, but the Trojans were undeterred because Achilles was nowhere to be found. For the first time in the past nine years, the Trojans dared to challenge their enemies out in the open. As the two sides fought against each other fiercely, Paris found himself standing face to face in front of Menelaus. Though terrified by this encounter, Paris could not back away, so he offered to duel with Menelaus. The winner would get to keep Helen and the stolen treasure. Menelaus agreed. Suddenly the battle stopped. The focus was now on the impending match. Paris took his time to launch the first strike, but he missed. Then it was Menelaus' turn. Menelaus may not have been as dashing as Paris, but he was certainly a far better warrior. As a result, he quickly outflanked Paris and began to drag him towards the other Greeks. He thought he had victory in hand, but suddenly Aphrodite appeared and cut Paris loose. Her actions was the last straw for Athena and Hera. Both goddesses were still quite upset after losing the beauty contest, so they weighed in to help the Greeks. Now the Trojan War became a dispute not only among the mortals, the humans, but also among the immortals, or the gods and goddesses. On the Greek side, they had Athena, Hera, and Poseidon, the god of oceans, earthquake, and horses. 
And on the Trojan side, they had Apollo, the god of music, poetry, and archery, Aphrodite, and Ares, the god of war. Zeus tried to stay neutral, but he found the task very difficult. As the strife intensified, the Greeks started to lose ground. When Petroclus, Achilles' good friend, learned of this, he urged the mighty hero to recant his words. Achilles refused flat out at first, but he eventually relented and loaned Patroclus his armor. Patroclus stormed into the battle because of his mail. The Trojans thought Achilles had returned. They were terrified, so they began to flee. Patroclus chased them all the way to the Troy's city's wall. When he tried to scale it, Apollo struck him down again and again. Finally, at the last blow, Achilles' armor fell apart and revealed the attacker's true identity. Hector, Paris's brother and great Trojan hero, saw what was happening. He forced his way through the thickening crowd and finished off Patroclus. When Achilles heard of his friend's death, he was furious. He went to see Agamemnon, and the two struck up a deal. Agamemnon would compensate Achilles' loss and let him be the new leader. In return, Achilles would forgive Agamemnon and stay to fight the Greeks. Upon assuming the position as the commander-in-chief, Achilles made vengeance his first priority. In no time he got his wish and slew the very man that killed Patroclus. But even this retaliation could not vent his anger. So he tied Hector's body behind a chariot and dragged him around for days. The Trojans were devastated, and the person who suffered the most was Hector's father, King Priam. To get his son back, he loaded a cart full of treasure and went to see Achilles. He poured his heart out to the young lad and begged him to let him take him back. Hector's body, let him take back Hector's body. Achilles felt very sorry for King Priam. Before releasing the corpse, he ordered the maids to wash and clothe this fallen hero. After that was done, King Priam brought his son back to Troy and gave him a fitting funeral. Um, for nearly a decade, the Greeks held Troy under siege. They hoped that the Trojans would surrender, but the day never came. Aside from a never-ending standoff, the Greeks had quite a few problems of their own. Uh, one day, Ajax, Odysseus, and Achilles managed to sneak behind Troy's heavy guarded gates, but they were soon exposed. With Apollo standing by his side as a guide, Paris shot an arrow into Achilles' only weak spot, his heel, and killed him instantly. Ajax and Odysseus retreated in haste and returned to their camps with Achilles' body. The Greeks were stunned by the loss. After burying Achilles next to Patroclus, they awarded his sacred armor to Odysseus. This nice gesture turned out to be a big disaster. It made Ajax very mad. He could not fathom why his fellow countrymen would not bestow him that honor. Plagued by nightmares and jealousy, he eventually killed himself. Several weeks after Ajax committed suicide, Paris was dead too. Menace was, Menelaus was delighted by the news. He thought the war would be over, but he was wrong. Dephobius, Paris's brother, had fallen in love with Helen. Now he forced her to marry him, so the war dragged on. Eager to end the conflict once and for all, Odysseus mulled over all available options. He knew that if only the Greeks could get into Troy undetected, they could win the war. The problem was, of course, how to do that. Odysseus racked his brain night and day. At last, he came up with a brilliant solution. 
He shared the idea with his comrades. Everybody thought it was brilliant, too. With the blessing of the entire Greek force, Odysseus set off to work on it right away. One morning, the Trojans woke up and found the Greeks gone. They saw a huge wooden horse dedicated to Athena abandoned out in the open. They hauled it back into the city but had no idea what to make of it. Later, they caught Sinon, Odysseus's cousin, and took him in as a prisoner. They peppered him with a lot of questions. Sinon told the, the Trojans that the Greeks had a falling out with Athena, the goddess of wisdom. To appease the angry deity, they made the imposing statue for her before they set sail back to Greece. The story elated the Trojans. They could not believe how lucky they were. While some remained suspicious, their opinions were quickly cast aside as crazy. That night, the Trojans held a great feast to celebrate the victory. After ten long, agonizing years, the Trojan War was finally over. At the height of the party, Sinon slipped out and lit a beacon. Agamemnon saw the signal and ordered his men to quickly approach Troy from, the nearby, from a nearby island. In the meantime, a secret door was swung open in the belly of the wooden horse. The Greek soldiers, fully armored, climbed down the statue. They opened the gates and let Agamemnon's troops in. Together, they joined, they joined forces, launched a surprise attack. The Trojans, now very drunk, were unable to fight. Most of them died without ever knowing what happened. And that's essentially how the Trojan War ends. Uh, and the Iliad ends. It ends with a Greek victory and essentially all of Troy being destroyed. Um, we'll do another episode that talks about the Odyssey later on. Uh, I hope this helps you and helps you understand the story of the Iliad a little bit more. Uh, have, a good, uh, have a good day and ciao bella.